When people do the work to experience sexual liberation, sexual healing, sexual freedom, it always ends up being one of the most rewarding things they've ever done in their life. And everyone uses a very similar phrase with me, which is I got my life back. Mm. There's a quality of wholeness that comes Mm -hmm. from claiming all these pieces Mm -hmm. and everyone can do it. Welcome, I'm Alyssa Nobriga, your host of the Healing and Human Potential podcast a place for you to discover the multidimensionality of what it means to be human. Over the past 20 years, I've trained thousands of coaches in my methodology, leveraging my experience as a former psychotherapist, and I'm here to share with you all the wisdom and insights that I've learned along the way. Each week, I'll share with you life-changing tools to support you in awakening and manifesting your dream life from the inside out. We'll be exploring the intersection between ancient wisdom and modern everyday life, really diving deep into the art of human potential through the lens of psychology, spirituality, and coaching. Let's let the magic unfold. Get ready, we are gonna have a spicy episode today. So we have the pleasure of having Layla Martin on, who is a thought leader in sexual wellness, tantra, erotic empowerment, and personal development. So Layla has spent over 20 years studying the science and the magic of sexuality, relationships. She has traveled all over the world as a devoted student of Tantra, working with some of the best of the best. She studied sexuality, neuroscience, and biology at Stanford University, and she's personally curated a dynamic and holistic system of over 10,000 hours of practice that blends both ancient traditions with modern day techniques. And I am so excited to have her here with us today. You are going to love this episode. Layla, I'm so happy that you are here. You have been one of the most magical humans in my life since I first met you over a decade ago at a mutual friend's mastermind dinner. And we sat next to each other. I think we were just instantly drawn to each other. I know you reached out to work with me and I just fell in love with you and couldn't wait to end our package so we could be friends forever. You are one of the most magical humans that I know, and you have changed my sex life, my marriage, and I'm so honored to share you with my community. So thank you for being here. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to just jump right in. I Let's talk about sex. So I know those three letters hold so much stigma for people. And part of the intention of this podcast is to just help people take some of the stigma off and Mm -hmm. feel like they can really have a healthy relationship with their sexuality. And you Mm -hmm. do that so beautifully. So would you just start us off? I know you are this incredible Tantra teacher. Will you share with us what tantric sex is for those that don't know? Yes. Um, All right. So actually, let me take that in two parts. So the first thing you said, there's such a stigma around sex. Yeah. Right. And we barely ask ourselves, like, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Like, why is there a stigma around sex? Yeah. Because those of you listening, you probably identify as a spiritual person, someone who's into health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And on MRI scans, they can't tell the difference between someone in a very deep state of meditation and someone having an orgasm. Ooh. So orgasm can be, if we're doing it solo, yeah. the same access point as a deep state of meditation. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, orgasming together with your partner is going into that space of oneness, that space of unity, that space of deep knowing with another human. Yeah. It's one of the most beautiful things that we've been 
ever given in this human body to experience. And if we go deep inside of our hearts, inside of our bodies, it's what so many of us long for, yeah. to have that level of intimacy and pleasure and arrows with the person that we love, mm -hmm. to look into their eyes and know them as divine and ourselves as divine and to soul melt. Mm -hmm. And yet... There's a stigma on mm -hmm. one of the most beautiful things that any of us could ever experience. Mm -hmm. So what is so fascinating to understand is that erotic practices and sexuality used to be used as portals to divine realization. Mm -hmm. So the same things that you can experience in meditation, a sense of oneness, mm -hmm. downloads of greater truth. Yeah deep presence inside of your body, yeah. even rivulets of bliss beyond description, you can experience the same things in sex. Mm -hmm. Both meditation and sex actually got demonized when there was a patriarchal religious takeover. Yeah. And one of the, it was actually two main reasons. One is that those religious traditions that I, when I say patriarchal religious traditions, I don't mean like the heart of Christianity, the mm -hmm. truth of Christianity, mm -hmm. the truth of Judaism, the mm -hmm. truth of Islam. I mean, when those deep religious truths got taken over yeah. by institutions, right? So the Catholic church, right? Deep institutions that didn't care if people remembered themselves as divine, mm -hmm. they cared that people paid them, tithed, yeah. right? Showed up at church and listened to what they had mm -hmm. to say. Mm -hmm. Now they were in conflict with goddess religions, with high priestess religions. Mm -hmm. And so part of that battle, which was part believe what we say, our way is the truth, yeah. right? But part of it was actually just good old competition, right? You want to stamp out the enemy. <laughs> like we want everyone going to church on Sunday. Like we do not need them worshiping the goddess anymore. We got to end that practice. So they literally made a campaign against two things. Number one, practices that were used in goddess religions, dancing, mm -hmm. emotional expression, mm -hmm. sexuality, yep. Right? And catharsis. So, literally, like healing mm -hmm. through the release of energy. Mm -hmm. Those things aren't unspiritual. Yeah. And we know that because you you love ecstatic dance. Yeah. You know that you can touch God through ecstatic dance. Yeah. There are still countries in this world where you can be killed mm -hmm. for daring to dance, mm -hmm. right? And it wasn't that long ago that that was true even in Europe, mm -hmm. right? Even in the United States that dancing was banned because it was so unspiritual, mm -hmm. right? The same with meditation. It's only been the last 20 years where you like it's cool to meditate at Google, <laughs> right? Like I went to Stanford University. I got taught in my pre-med courses becoming a doctor that meditation Meditation had no value whatsoever, mm -hmm. and it was people sleeping as they sat, and we were all sleep deprived, mm -hmm. and that's what was happening. Mm -hmm. That's how much our culture was turned against dancing, meditation, mm -hmm. stillness, mm -hmm. and the same thing happened with sex. Sex was sacred, the same way that meditation is sacred, the same way that dance is sacred. Yeah. But what's interesting is the taboo against sex has been more long lasting. Mm -hmm. So the same way that now very few people anymore are like, meditation is like the devil's work or like, oh, you know, <laughs> like whatever. We're excited to meditate. We're like, yeah. of course you can find God through meditation. Yeah. But 50 years ago, that was not true, yeah. right, in the United States. And so what's happening right now is that there's finally this portal, this access point for people to remove the stigma against sex and see why it got stigmatized in the first place 
but also to restore what our bodies are capable of, Mm -hmm. which is not just having great sexual experiences, Mm -hmm. but actually having sacred sexual experiences, sexual experiences that touch the deepest parts of us, sexual experiences where we remember our divine nature. And I said there were two reasons why sex became taboo, and a big part of it was that many of the practices that reminded us of our divine nature, that God wasn't out there Mm -hmm. judging us, Mm -hmm. telling us what to do, but God was in here in our deepest hearts. Mm -hmm. The practices where we would remember that were also banned. And when people have sacred sexual experiences, they actually start to remember their wholeness, their truth, their sovereignty. They have a direct line to God and women especially. Mm -hmm. So if you want to crush female spiritual and personal power, Mm -hmm. you actually have to crush their sexuality. Mm. And the reason I wanted to start with this is we're like, yeah, 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 sex is taboo. But when you understand why, Mm -hmm. I feel like it gives us the courage to not leave it in the unconscious anymore, not to have like hidden shame, hidden repression, but to turn and face it head on because it's like, wait, that's messed up. Yeah. Yeah. I would want my daughter to know the beauty of her body, the holiness of her sexuality, Mm -hmm. right? And to be able to share that with someone that she loved in a safe space in a shameless way. The same for my son, honestly. Yeah. Same for people of any gender. So as we release that shame, so we're able to restore what sex could originally be. Mm-hmm. So you said, what is tantric sex? And so tantra is a spiritual tradition that was developed in India. Most people say it's got roots that are thousands and thousands of years old, but like, let's say it had its peak days of expression from 500 AD to 1500 AD, Mm -hmm. and it spread all over Asia. So you have Tantra in Tibet, you have Tantra in China, you have uh, Tantric strains of wisdom in Japan, Mm -hmm. all over Asia. And it was a tradition that taught oneness consciousness But here's the thing, most traditions, even the Buddhist tradition, the Hindu tradition, right, major religious traditions will say, if you want to be holy, right, you do X, Y, and Z, you pray, you fast, you cleanse yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Tantra really said oneness. If we really are all one, then that means that everything has divine consciousness in it. That's right. That also means that everything can be a portal to God right? Nothing is inherently wrong. Things can still be toxic or out of alignment or not Mm -hmm. good for a human, but the essence of everything can be divine. And so Tantra was one of the only religious traditions that is still alive and active that recognized that sexuality could be used as a sacred ritual practice Mm. to remember our divine nature. And so you could make love in a way that was like meditating. Mm -hmm. But what I think is so powerful is that even though sex was a small part of the classical tantric tradition, because it's an enlightenment tradition, Mm -hmm. so it teaches all these tools and practices, including Kundalini awakening, the chakra system is tantric at heart, hatha yoga is tantric at heart, Um, breathwork practices, Mm -hmm. mantras, the use of um, sacred sound technology, yantras, the use of sacred geometry, all of these are tantric practices, rites and rituals, and especially deity worship, Mm -hmm. which was to worship divine consciousness 
consciousness until you woke up that power within yourself. Beautiful. So, so much of the tantric tradition is rich and beautiful. And I I love it (laughs) so deeply. And because our culture specifically, and what I mean by that is Western civilization generally, Mm -hmm. was so starved for anything to tell them that it was okay to have sex Mm -hmm. or that sex could be holy, we sort of latched on to that one part of Tantra. Mm -hmm. And at the essence, Tantric sex is using tools and technology to turn sex from an everyday experience to a sacred experience. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I'll say about that, because people are like, well, how would you do that? How do you turn stretching into yoga? Mm -hmm. How do you turn sitting into meditation? You could stretch your whole life and never activate a chakra. Mm-hmm. You could sit your whole life mm-hmm. and never touch stillness inside of you. Mm-hmm. It's the intention and the tools. Yeah. They transform an everyday experience into a divine experience. Yeah. It's the same with sexuality. When you apply intention and tools, you can transform everyday sex into the sacred. That's beautiful. And the more I hear about Tantra, the more it feels aligned for me, using everything in life and finding the divinity within it. And it's interesting that some spiritual practices would renounce that, you know, and not talk about it. And I personally was raised Catholic. And the way that I heard my Catholicism and, you know, going to church was that this is something bad or shameful. Mm -hmm. And so, and I'm sure most people weren't really raised with a very healthy relationship with sex, knowing that it's sacred. It's something to be celebrated and honored and, you know, nurtured between people or within ourselves. How do you recommend people start to heal some of the shame or some of the religious upbringing that doesn't feel aligned for them now? Mm-hmm. So I was raised Catholic as well. Mm-hmm. I love like, as I'm doing all this podcasting, how many, <laughs> how many of us female spiritual podcasters were raised Catholic? And we got Emily Fletcher, who was Southern Baptist. <laughs> so the main thing that I teach is transforming your sexuality is a practice, mm-hmm. right? It would be hard to learn meditation in five minutes. Mm-hmm. It'd be hard to learn yoga in five minutes right? You have to actually engage in the practice enough that you start to see transformational results, Mm -hmm. right? If someone was like, can you tell me how to access yoga in five minutes, right? And how to transform the disconnection from my body and to feel energy again, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, that'd be tough in five minutes. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I want to share is that's a whole methodology and practice to transform, let's say our shame body. And so what I really recommend for people who are super interested in doing this is having what I call a pleasure practice. Mm. Same way that you would have a yoga practice or meditation practice, Mm. you have a pleasure practice. Mm. I like this. And what that means is you have a a space or something that you set up, whether it's a sacred place in a bedroom, whether it's a yoga mat on the floor, whether Mm -hmm. it's like a fluffy mat that we all have. We have these like (laughs) fluffy mats from Pier 1 that you put down on the floor. Or it's just in your bedroom with, let's say, like a special blanket and a candlelit. And you set a timer, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, could be 10 minutes. And you actually use tools to relate to your body and to relate to your sexuality Mm -hmm. in a different way. Mm -hmm. Because most of us, if we either make love to our partner we're often just doing what we learned. We're having, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we're like trying some new tools or toys or something like that. Yeah. But we're very rarely being like, let me crack open my nervous system <laughs> to touch God today. Like, what could we do that will, you know, some of us get there, but that, yeah. that's usually pretty far down the path. Yeah. 
if we're going to masturbate, we're usually masturbating using very similar fantasies, Mm -hmm. touching ourselves usually the way that we started touching ourselves in high school, Mm. right? So like I used to have my legs closed, circles over my clitoris, and I really liked like boss and secretary fantasies for some reason. (laughs) Fun. And every single time we're masturbating, we're actually programming our nervous system Mm. to use those associated feelings Mm. and our state that we're in in our body as the route to orgasm. So most of the time when we masturbate, we're not actually thinking of the emotional state that we're wiring into our experience of orgasm. Interesting. Also, our body likes doing what's known. Mm -hmm. So if I orgasm all the time with my legs tightly closed, touching my clitoris in a a specific way, Mm -hmm. it's going to be much harder to orgasm if my male lover is penetrating me. Yeah. Because that's not how I've actually trained my body to orgasm. Yeah. So in a pleasure practice, like one of the things I did back in the day was I would actually like keep my legs open Mm -hmm. and touch myself in different ways. Mm -hmm. Or I would self-pleasure with a stone dildo so that I could learn to become orgasmic from the same experience I would be have, uh, the same experience I would be having with my partner. Yeah. Right. And so what that did is it would give me a space to retrain my body Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to do that with my partner. I'm not going to do it if I'm masturbating the same way. I actually have to create new patterning in my body. Yeah. In that pleasure practice space, you can also then learn tools, right, to be able to digest blockages in your nervous system. Mm -hmm. So the same way that if I had, let's say, shame in my lower belly, you would teach um, I imagine, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what you would teach, yeah. but you can correct yeah. me if I'm yeah. wrong, right? Yeah. That I would feel the shame, right? First, yes. I'd become conscious of it. Yeah, I'd connect to the sensations of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe as a first step, if it had something that wanted to be felt or experienced, mm-hmm. right? I'd let it sort of express, mm-hmm. you know, what does the shame want to How does say? it sound? How does yeah. it say? Yeah, how does it move? Right. And then I would meet it in a storyless way. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, who cares what happened in the past? Let's not make a future story about this, but let me just meet it directly. What yep. are the sensations that are here? What is the direct experience mm-hmm. of my presence and my being meeting this shame? Yes. Right? And then alchemically, organically, I might move mm. with the shame. I might sound with the shame, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or I can just be with the shame. Yeah. Both can work. Yep. And there's a direct meeting that instead of trying to push it out or make it go away, it brings loving presence to it, yeah. which we know creates neural networks of love. Mm-hmm. It, we literally wire our nervous system into the parts of our experience that we have tended to push away. And when mm-hmm. we push them away, that part of our nervous system actually gets isolated from the core part of our brain's operating system. Mm-hmm. And it loses love, which creates an actual physiological isolation yep. in our neural networks. So when we feel it and love it, we bring it back into the neural network. It makes physiological wholeness, but it also makes energetic and emotional wholeness. Yeah, Same thing is true of shame in your pussy. Mm-hmm. So I having also been raised Catholic, mm-hmm. used to have a lot of shame yeah. around the way I looked, the way I smelled. Any hair, God help me, <laughs> if a hair turned into an ingrown hair, <gasps> Lord, right? Like it was just like, ah, and so much there. Shame around my desire, yeah, right? So I used to, even long into being a tantra teacher, uh, a coach around sexuality, I could not orgasm with a partner mm unless I went into fantasy. Mm -hmm. So I could be super present and super present and we'd be making love and like, I'm this like tantra teacher and I'm here and I'm in my sensations to be like, I want to have an orgasm. 
God, think about the secretary <laughs> and the boss. Oh, God. Right? And then yeah. I, like, eventually built up the shame, and I, like, yeah. told my audience about it, and I was transparent. Finally, I was like, all right, in this case, right, this doesn't mean all sexual fantasies are wrong and I still love them, but there is an element of sexual fantasizing yeah. that is moving out of your body and into your mind. That's right. So what are we leaving behind in the body, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, well, let me follow that thread back into my body. Mm-hmm. Why am I? Why do I have to check out mm-hmm. to have an orgasm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, part of it is getting onto the pathway that I have made so strong through masturbating a certain way with a certain like fantasy all this time. Yep. But I'm I'm trying to avoid something. <laughs> so right when my whole system would be like, start to fantasize, right? I'd be making love to my partner and be like, fantasy, fantasy, fantasy. I had to literally be like, take a deep breath <laughs> and go into your body and said, literally That's feel right. the sensations in your body. And I found in my womb and in my pussy, it was like the energy of priests. Mm. And I was like, what, what are they doing? <laughs> and they were like, you, you will burn in hell basically. Yeah. Should you feel this thing? Yeah. So I breathed underneath that. Yeah. And there was primal lust. Ooh. Like I wanted my partner so bad. Yeah. I wanted to be with him. I wanted him inside me. I wanted to feel, I wanted mm. to be wild. Mm-hmm. That was so wrong growing mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. that the shame and fear that was embedded from priests telling me how to feel about my sexuality yep. was still there as a layer. And instead of feeling that and making my way back to my primal lust and feeling all of the shame and fear that was still mm-hmm. there, I would go into fantasy. Mm-hmm. But what I was missing was being able to be in the present moment mm-hmm. with the sensation, my person mm-hmm. and with the sensation. Mm-hmm. So the reason that I learned to do that with my partner was because I had a pleasure practice regularly Mm. where I would self-pleasure and breathe into my body, breathe into my sensations. And the same process that we would use to heal shame anywhere, I would just heal during my sexuality. But it's like I had to give myself a space to do that because it's not going to happen spontaneously. And then I knew how to do it when I was with a partner. Imagine having a fulfilling career doing what you love, working from anywhere in the world, setting your own hours while making good money and a big impact. If that lights you up, then I'm super excited to share with you today's sponsor, the Institute for Coaching Mastery. This is my robust, accredited, year-long certification program for newer seasoned coaches, therapists, leaders, and those just looking to up-level their life in a profound way. We have an amazing community of students from all around the world who have really started their journey to expand with us both personally and professionally. And this experience is designed to give you the three things that you need to thrive. So first, you have all of the tools and support you need to move past what's been holding you back so that you can completely change the trajectory of your life. And then you learn how to masterfully and confidently facilitate transformation with your clients or your team, regardless of your niche. If you want to do health, business, relationship, or you just have no idea yet, we hold your hand through that. And then lastly, you'll receive my six figure and beyond signature roadmap that's customizable to meet you wherever you are. So whether you want to do high ticket sales, online marketing, or you just want to hit six figures without ever needing to go on social media, we've got you covered. And this truly is the most rewarding work in the world. We have new students now who have a wait list of dream clients in under a year. We also have seasoned students who are doing $80,000 months. 
And this is really about creating lasting transformation from the inside out so that you can share your gifts and serve the world in all the ways that you're called to. And I've seen firsthand the power of what happens when you have the community to collaborate with, but you also have the right tools and resources to really thrive. And so whether you want to do your own personal development, you're wanting to become a coach, or you're just looking for a cutting edge approach to really grow your business, the Institute for Coaching Mastery is for you. You are held every single step of the way. And so if you want to get behind the scenes access to the Institute with three proven transformational tools for free to help you create the business and life you love, all you have to do is go to alissanobriga.com forward slash tools, or you can find us at alissanobriga.com forward slash apply now to see all the details and apply today. I mean, you've been one of my best friends again for almost a decade and we, I would say, have a very similar approach to presencing the sensations, allowing them to be expressed, and that actually is what transforms it. I don't know how I didn't actually make the connection with sexuality. I think because there's been so much shame, even around self-pleasure yeah. in my own consciousness, that I hadn't made those clicks. So when you say that, it makes perfect sense. And I randomly, well, I, you know, did my research and whatnot, but I had done something which, which was um, pelvic floor work. I don't know if you know much about, I'm sure you do. I found a woman that I felt very safe with who it's internal work. So kind of like an OBGYN, they have gloves and they press certain parts of your vulva and where there are stuck energy and I just presenced it. And literally it was some of the most profound healing I've ever done in my life because I have not had a practice of regularly going there like you have with the pleasure practice, but I had never felt more safe in my body after that experience. And so I'm really connecting the dots and what you're sharing with the power of this so that I can reclaim my own sexual well-being and my own power and my own connection to lust and desire and being initiated into my full power in this way that feels healthy and restorative. So I'm having these light bulbs go off as you're sharing this. So I'm just wanting to thank you for that. Yeah. And I imagine there are other misconceptions people have around sexuality that are very common or over overlooked. Yeah. Can you speak to some of those so we can help bring more awareness into this conversation for people? Totally. So one of them is a kind of generalized fear body around what would happen if you became super sexual. Mm. And- for women, usually it's a very specific conditioning. Everyone's a little bit different, but it goes something like this. Like, should you unleash, right? <laughs> Your wild primal part. Sexual <laughs> self. Yeah. You will become like an insatiable slut. Yeah. You will get an STI, mm -hmm. right? Some sort of sexually transmitted infection. You will end up pregnant with like four babies all of a sudden. <laughs> no one will ever marry you. Mm -hmm. You'll get slut shamed to all hell. You'll probably get fired from your job mm -hmm. and no one will ever like, like you'll get over, right? Mm -hmm. There's this weird fear body. Mm -hmm. And- this terror of our own sexuality is one of the biggest lies, mm -hmm. right? I like I, I liken it a little bit to like, remember how some people were so terrified of legalizing marijuana or yeah. gay marriage? They were like, the world's gonna end, you know? <laughs> yeah. Give people marijuana and we're all gonna like go crazy and die and society's <laughs> gonna lose its shit or whatever. And then it just like happened and like then gay people could marry and like, turns out the world didn't end, yeah. right? Yeah. We have a similar thing with our sexuality where it's like, oh my God, if I were to tap mm -hmm. into it. Now, part of that is because there is a wildness yeah. in all of us. There is a, 
like a raw, alive, incredibly passionate, erotic being in all of us. Mm -hmm. But that can be channeled, A, however we want it to. Mm -hmm. And B, there's usually this idea of like, oh, I'm going to become like being a sexual person is going to make me look like, I don't know, something I saw in a music video or something (laughs) in a club or whatever. But what actually happens is that power gets restored. Mm -hmm. Wholeness gets restored, Mm -hmm. right? You said, I felt safe in my body. Yeah. You come home to yours. That's right. So sexual liberation in most people it can look however it looks. Mm-hmm. Like you might end up in a mini skirt and high heels, but only if that's your truth. That's right. Yeah. There's no absolutes for anybody. Instead, you start to sparkle. Mm-hmm. There's like this magic mm-hmm. and aliveness. Mm-hmm. And it's like the the beauty of Aros makes the world feel like poetry. Mm-hmm. So nothing scary happens. Mm-hmm. You just get your life back. Mm-hmm. Right. And like why is there all that like all that fear yeah. around our sexuality? Well, back in the day, I really thought about this, right? If you don't want your mothers and daughters and women in your society turning into witches, what will you do? Mm-hmm. Wit is in Proto-Indo-European means wise, mm-hmm. right? It also means truth, mm-hmm. people who knew the truth. Women who knew the truth were witches. Mm -hmm. They were spiritual teachers. Mm -hmm. So when we say witch, so many people are like, you know, why did we get told that they have like warts and they eat babies (laughs) and they stir frogs? Well, they stir frogs because frogs are psychedelic. (laughs) So they're making brews, psychedelic brews, right? They served plant medicine to their communities. Mm. They were shamans, right? So shamans is a like a global word mm-hmm. for a spiritual leader, mm-hmm. a spiritual teacher mm-hmm. of earth-based traditions, mm-hmm. right? Those were women worldwide. And the term witch, right, which really came out of persecution in Europe, but spread the world over, right? You can still be killed for being a witch yeah. in the Middle East, right? In Africa in certain places. Yeah. So it was a global persecution of female sexuality. Now, the thing I really thought about is I was like, so if you want to stop witches, you can kill them. Mm -hmm. And they did, Mm -hmm. right? It's messy. It's probably expensive. It's a whole thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's it's dirty, dirty work. They did it when they had to. They still do. Mm. But if you really want to stop a witch... You teach her to hate herself. Mm. You teach her to be so afraid of her body that she will not go there. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine what it would have felt like as a society to have the people, like, right, we're both Catholic. Mm-hmm. We both have European roots mm-hmm. in our ancestry. To have the people who were the channels to God, the Catholic priests, drag a witch into your local town square and burn her Mm -hmm. alive, that Mm -hmm. level of torture, that level of pain, Mm -hmm. and to have them make you watch. What you would have decided was that you would never touch Mm -hmm. your own spiritual depth and certainly not your own sexuality, Mm -hmm. right? This level of disconnection that we started to develop, dissociation, right? There is a reason that sex is as unsatisfying, as challenging, and as Mm -hmm. unhealthy as it is. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why we have porn addiction, Mm -hmm. because if women were going to forget their own sacredness, men had to forget too. And we forget this, that women got brainwashed to repress their sexuality, 
but men got brainwashed to objectify women Mm -hmm. and to misuse their sexuality, Mm -hmm. right? And to disconnect themselves as well. So we all forgot. Mm -hmm. So women learning to hate themselves, women rejecting their bodies, Mm -hmm. perfectionism, Mm -hmm. unworthiness, Mm -hmm. fear of our own sexuality, all of this comes from the global persecution of female spiritual leaders and female leadership, especially in shamanic traditions, mm-hmm. especially in witchcraft. Mm-hmm. So when we think about like, oh, let me do some pussy breathing. It's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> all the layers of shame, conditioning, all of the trauma. Yeah. It all goes with it. Like you're one of the most awakened women I've ever come across mm-hmm. and you can still feel it in your own body. Yeah. So this is an acknowledgement of how deep it runs for so many of yeah. us. So one of the biggest misconceptions is should I open up my arrows? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. And when I opened up my arrows and I was like, think of my bisexual, witchy, like monogamish, like, <laughs> like I'm, not, I'm not the straight, yeah. super monogamous person that I started out as. And I was like, shit, what if everyone thinks that they're going to turn into like a mm-hmm. bisexual sex witch as well? And finally, I was like, you know what? I want to tell people. When you own your sexuality, you turn into whatever's true. Yeah. That's what was the truth for me. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing about owning your sexuality and the truth of the tantric path. Mm-hmm. It will take you wherever is true. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that you end up bisexual or polyamorous or anything. You yeah. can be monogamously married if that's your truth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a that's a huge misconception that sexuality looks like a certain expression of like I'm going to be spraying champagne all over people or whatever <laughs> on like the dancing on the table, but actually it's just this like radiant magnetism that's mm. so powerful. And I think a big misconception around sexuality is that women have been repressed but not men. Yeah. Yeah. And so much of male sexuality, right? Erectile dysfunction, mm-hmm. going too hard too fast. Mm-hmm porn addictions, Mm -hmm. like all of this is actually rooted in their Mm -hmm. dissociation. Yeah, it affects all of us. They're afraid of their own humanity, their own vulnerability, their own Mm -hmm. arrows, right? Mm -hmm. They they lost connection Mm -hmm. to their own spiritual sovereignty as Mm -hmm. well. And sexual connection and spiritual connection are deeply interrelated is what I found. And and deeply interrelated if you want to be in the body. Yeah. And so this coming home to our sexual selves is to come home to our fullest spiritual selves in our bodies, which is so, so important. I think another big misconception around sexuality is when something doesn't go wrong, we tend to blame ourselves rather than looking at these layers. Mm. So if I have a lot of embedded shame and fear and dissociation and like maybe some trauma in there and all of that, right? And I'm experiencing numbness during sex. Mm-hmm. I'm taking a really long time to orgasm or I'm not having an orgasm at all. Yeah. I have to check out and fantasize instead of being present with my partner. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe I don't have that much desire for my partner. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe I or can't have an erection. More. Yeah, yeah. I can't have an erection. Yeah. Instead of, I have never heard anyone be like, gee, all that cultural brainwashing and misogyny (laughs) and general sex negativity and sexual harassment culture has really Mm -hmm. gotten into my nervous system and made it hard (laughs) to feel safe to express my pleasure. Yeah. People are like, there's something wrong with me. That's right. I'm broken. Mm -hmm. 
Or we tend to think like, I'm not attractive enough. I'm not good enough. Nobody wants me, right? I'm not man enough. Or comparing ourselves to porn or other images of media that have been, you know, compromised and they're not real. And so we've got these expectations on ourselves. We blame ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I love what I hear you saying as the practice is to really, I mean, even for me right now, and one of the gifts, just going to Bali with you for my birthday recently, you having having a conversation with Emilio and I, my husband, and sharing with me that intimacy is as important to him as safety is for me, broke something open beyond my feminist shadow part was like, I don't want to be objectified. Although, which is fascinating because I like to be objectified if it's with consent, you know, the thing that I defend against is actually what turns me on. So like that's, that's an interesting flip to it, but to really use these things to love our partners to bring presence, whether we're in relationship or we're single, like right now, what one of our practices is we're going to schedule sex. So we don't get that. We prioritize what's so important. And then I, my practice will be to work through the shame or the discomfort or to presence in my body, any parts of me that want to run away or not honor that commitment, or maybe it'll be really easy. I don't know yet, but to actually put time on the calendar to prioritize my sexual well-being, to go deeper into intimacy with my husband. And I would do that even if I were single because I like freedom, because I want to expand my world. I want to do it for me personally, but I also want to do it to add to the collective. And so I love your sharing a pleasure practice. That's something people can do with or without partnership so that they feel that in their body. And we have these nervous system set points of how much pleasure can I allow? How good can it be? And so what I hear is the invitation to do that somatically, sexually in our bodies, which I love. So thank you for that. Yes, because all of this conditioning that I'm talking about has actually made us pleasure averse. Mm. So also a lot of what we do of of the tensing, Mm -hmm. of the pushing out, of the being afraid to allow ourselves to be fully penetrated by pleasure, by, uh, by, by the energy of our partner, the terror of surrender. Yeah is is all actually an expression of not being comfortable with the level of pleasure that mm-hmm. can open us into ecstasy, that mm-hmm. can pull us into surrender. And so many of us crave surrender. Yeah, We want to be in sexual surrender, but all these psychological layers place physiological locks in our body, mm. which blocks the energy from flowing to the depth and degree that it could through our bodies. Mm-hmm. So we can counteract this by starting to use tools, starting to use practices, starting to open up. And it's actually a restoration process of how much Mm -hmm. eros and pleasure and energy can flow through our bodies. Mm -hmm. And we start to touch surrender in a whole new way. Yeah, I think also people will tend to think of this as like, it's funny when people ask me what I do, they're like, or, or, you know, back in the day when I would do one-on-one sessions, right? It would actually, it would usually be the woman and the partner if there was a woman and the partner and she would be like, are you going to watch this during sex and tell me what I'm doing wrong? And I was like, God, no. I was like, that sounds horrible. And generally men would be like, can I move? There's like this practice Carezza or something like that, where you just like, like, like hold each other and look at each other's yeah, eyes and yeah. you don't move during sex, yeah. which is a beautiful thing to explore. But that is not the only yeah. way that anybody wants to have sex. Yeah. But that was like such a deeply embedded fear. Right. And it's that you open sex beyond this linear idea. Yeah of we're both going to get turned on and then we're going to have a peak of excitement and then we're going to climax together, mm-hmm. right? 
you actually open the aperture mm-hmm. to, could we have a healing experience together? Yeah. Could we embody parts of ourselves that we've been afraid to embody, right? Mm -hmm. This is where some of the deeper work, some people think of it more as like kink and BDSM. Mm -hmm. Actually, there's a whole dimension available of embodying archetypes, like embodying my shadow archetype, Mm -hmm. right? Or embodying my pleaser archetype. Mm -hmm. And instead of being like, oh, I'm a good feminist boss bitch. (laughs) I would never want to please anyone. You'd be like, I want desperately pleasing. Tell me just exactly how to suck your cock. And if I do anything wrong, you can judge the hell out of me and reject me. So I'll just work so hard to get it right. Right. We can take these parts of ourselves. Yes. Like, oh, and it's like, yeah, I've got a pleaser. In that's me. right. Ham it up. Hot. That's right. I, that's one of the gifts that you've shared is like, how do you take these parts that we may have disowned or judged and actually bring it with turn on? Yeah. Like that's such a flip that seems to be somewhat tantric, right? Where then you consciously embody these parts. You're not trying to fix them, but you're allowing them and you're playing with them. You're you're using them for turn on, which is a complete different mindset. And I love, and it feels so much more playful too. Yes. And something that you mentioned, I think is really important for people listening, which is a lot of what we could desire. And especially as women got turned against us, Mm So you said objectification, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's a difference between objectification and dehumanization. Yeah, yeah. What we really hate is dehumanization, mm-hmm. right? So any any person who's feeling is going to hate a disconnected lover who doesn't feel her humanity yeah. doing something hard and fast, right? Like we yeah. all are like, oh, thank you. <laughs> But a lot of people have been conditioned that way. And yeah. a lot of men specifically have been conditioned that way through porn culture, right? I'm going to disconnect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but objectification, seeing someone for their material form, yeah, we all do it, yeah, right? I'm not mm-hmm. immune to a good six pack <laughs> or like, you know, some beautiful breasts or mm-hmm. like we're all touched by people's physicality, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And there's something hot about like my body giving someone pleasure, my body giving someone gratification, right? When we were talking about you and Amelia, I was like, I would hope that your husband wanted your body, right? There's something so beautiful about that. But what's happened is we have a lot of these sexual things that can be so beautiful turned against us, right? Mm -hmm. Because as women, objectification and dehumanization Mm -hmm. came together, which is horrible. Yeah. Also objectification got used against us in that's the only thing you're good for. Mm. Right. If the only thing you're good for is my attraction to your body mm-hmm. and you don't get any social, political or economic power, mm-hmm. you're just a body for my gratification. Yeah. Of course, we're going to be I'll, like, no, F your you. objectification. <laughs> yeah. I hate That's you. Right. right? Yeah. And then anything that feels like objectification hits up against that pain wall. Yeah. Right. But the actual art of loving Mm -hmm. someone's body, Mm -hmm. right? Like we all know, like if you love men, you know what it is to take pleasure Mm -hmm. in his body, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And there's nothing inherently wrong about that. That can be beautiful. And a lot of what we even see in porn, and this is what's so sad to me, is actually things that, especially women, I'll speak for women for a moment, can get turned on by, Mm. right? Like- you could be turned on by your hair being pulled, mm-hmm. right? You could be turned on by some of the more intense things that you can see in porn. But because we have this porn culture where men watch that and they think they're doing it mm-hmm. to a woman, mm-hmm. it feels so bad to mm-hmm. have it done to you. Yeah. Whereas if your body is open 
in a giant state of craving and desire, mm-hmm. you would want your chosen beloved mm-hmm. to do outrageous things to you sometimes, yeah. depending on what that is, whether that's maybe it's choking, maybe it's hair pulling, mm-hmm. maybe it's a good spank. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want like super hard, like just being open to God, right? Like everyone's going to be different. Yeah. But because we've seen a lot of that done to women in yeah. a really degrading way where she it wasn't some consensual thing where she wanted to be mm-hmm. degraded, mm-hmm. we've actually developed a kind of disgust towards it yep. because it's like, don't do that to me mm-hmm. or that's what happens mm-hmm. to women who are being degraded. Mm-hmm. And so it forms another barrier against us owning our truest desires Yeah, because what you want while we're sitting here just having this talk is very different than what you might want in the throes of ecstasy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. With your husband. Yeah. But we sometimes don't let ourselves get all the way to the throes of ecstasy and then allow ourselves to want what we want because now we've been all conditioned to like, oh, that's what happens in those experiences. Yeah. And I don't want to be that type of woman. So what's crazy is all these things that can be so beautiful in sexuality. It's just layers upon layers upon layers of don't go there. Don't try this. Mm-hmm. And so the more that we liberate ourselves, the more that we find, oh, wow, not only is this a pathway to God and so, so sacred, but the field of what I can desire and what I can experience in sex and how profoundly I can surrender and mm-hmm. how much pleasure I can feel, mm-hmm. it's so much wider than I ever could have imagined. Yeah. Yeah. For me, with the level of presence and safety, my body wants to do things I would have not imagined possible or thought I would want to entertain. And just being your friend through osmosis, being connected to community that's very open, it's very healing to be in community that is, it feels safe. They feel sexually empowered and it helps me want to explore more of myself. You know, I feel like if there were more safety, I will think for a lot of the women, there would be a lot more expression of and discovery of what we want to do, which is kind of beyond what I thought I would want because I feel that deep level of presence. And that level of presence actually can be really intimidating. Even for somebody that I've done so much work in the beginning, I used to want to dart when people would do soul gazing and like deeply look into your eyes or any of these like yab young, like these practices of like deeply seeing someone that can be so confronting, but now it's the thing I crave and desire and love most. And so I just want to offer that if people get scared to meet your edges, it's just to breathe into it, to be curious, to be compassionate with yourself and keep going, you know, because there's so much pleasure on the other side of that, just like any other form of coaching, like you get to have that either in partnership or not. And I I remember back in the day, I, I feel like even with Emilio, we would drop into deep oneness and lovemaking. And it's like, I didn't know where his body started and mine ended. It was just already there. And then I started learning about this thing called Tantra (laughs) and what that did. And so I just want to share for people that this is kind of, I, I, my life is usually Benjamin Button where I do things backwards. So, you know, what I love that you're sharing about Tantra is that you take life, not just sexuality, sexuality included, and you experience the divine through all of it. And so I felt like I had had some level of that sexually. And then I started using practices to try to get there. And I didn't realize later that that was a backwards approach. So mm-hmm. although I love the technique and I think that's an important place, I, what I'm hearing you and I feel your transmission in, and I know you embody and live this is the deeper reverence and sacredness to all of life, sexuality included, is really the intention, is really where we're where we're going. And that's where the juice and the magic is. And so, um, and 
there's a place for the the practices and the traditions of, you know, I, I just fun side note, I don't know if you know about this. So Emilio, before I even realized, before I'd even met you, he had saved a Facebook ad that you did around cervical orgasms. Didn't know what a cervical or a clitoral orgasm was. He saved it. We watched it. Here's how you do it. Bam, I had a cervical orgasm. I'm like, she's a great teacher. Didn't realize it was you. Um, and so I think there is something fun and to be educated about our bodies and what we can do. Will you share a little bit about that practice or you know, some, some type of a technique that people can try and start applying in their life? Yeah, absolutely. So a cervical orgasm means that you have an orgasm that's predominantly originating from the area of the cervix. Mm -hmm. So that can be from physical stimulation of the cervix or it can also be from breath work. So it can be energetic or it can be physical. Um, It's funny that, you know, still it's like, Doctors will argue whether it's even physiologically possible. Meanwhile, you've got like, you know, billions, maybe even a billion (laughs) women being like, I know what that is. (laughs) It's clearly different. It's clearly different. Yes. And uh, the vagus nerve Mm -hmm. innervates this area. Oh, interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's also, so there's actually like four main nerves. So there's the sacral nerve, the pudendal nerve, which is weird. It's like the nerve of shame where you're like, (laughs) that pelvic nerve. It's just like, it's so embedded. It's even in the the terminology, right? Um, And these all end in different parts of Mm -hmm. our physiology, right? So some of them mainly, uh, there's main innervation into the clitoris, uh, into the deep vagina, into the cervix and the womb space Mm -hmm. and the anus as well. Mm -hmm. So wherever you find these nerve endings, there's capacity for orgasm. So, you know, one of the reasons the breast can have orgasm is because we have all these very sensitive nerve endings, erogenous zones. So you have erogenous zone innervation in all these different areas. Mm. So you can experience a cervical orgasm. If you're doing physiological penetration, yes, you're always going to be stimulating the clitoris because the clitoral legs actually wrap around Mm -hmm. the entrance of the vagina. Mm -hmm. So that's why there's some argument of like, could you ever just have a cervical orgasm? Well, I personally can breathe into my cervix and have an orgasm. So (laughs) I don't know, somebody study me for the love of God and like, you know, write a PhD thesis on it Um, or like put me in an MRI machine and I'll breathe, you know? Yes. (laughs) I'm falling for the sake of science. (laughs) Use me as your guinea pig Um, or your lab rat. (laughs) Kind of developing a kink here. All right, is the scientist hot is the question. (laughs) It gets to be. (laughs) So what's happened is usually, A, because very few of us ever Mm self-pleasure in this area. Mm -hmm. We're not developing sensitivity. Mm -hmm. B, if you knock the cervix and you're not turned on, it's actually supremely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. which if you think about it, yep. it's kind of the same with your clitoris. If you're really not turned on and you just started rubbing it, you'd be like, ah, Whoa. you know, yeah. you always want to warm up yeah. and it starts to feel so much better. Yeah. So many of us have an experience of during penetration, getting our cervixes knocked mm-hmm. when we're actually not that turned on we're not or the cervix descends sometimes depending on where we are in our cycle. Mm-hmm. And so it can be more sensitive, all of that. We don't associate it necessarily with pleasure. Mm-hmm. It can be exquisite 
exquisitely pleasurable. Mm-hmm. So the first step usually is to self-pleasure with the cervix in mind. Okay. So you would do that with usually a stone dildo. I love using uh, materials of natural origin or borosilicate glass, which is the, it's like basically Pyrex. So, cause whenever you say glass, people are like, ah, get it away from my <laughs> vagina. And you're like, no, 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 it's the medical grade kind. They like have glass brains that they yeah, install yeah. or whatever. So you want to self-pleasure with the cervix being stimulated. Mm-hmm. So you can do that with a dildo mm-hmm. and you want to stimulate it in a way that's actually pleasurable. So also what's happening during penetration. So the vast majority of women are going to think, you know, sexual penetration with a penis or a strap on, like my cervix has, it's felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And usually that's because most cervical orgasms will come from a more stable, steady, slow penetration Mm -hmm. than most women are ever receiving. Mm -hmm. So the same as if someone came in and just started like, or like going really aggressive at your clitoris, you'd be like, "Ah!" right? (laughs) It would feel so uncomfortable. What would you do? You'd shut down. Yeah. That's what's happened to most of our cervixes. Mm. They've actually learned to physiologically protect themselves. What happens when you have a bunch of tension and stress in your muscular system? Mm -hmm. You get pain, Mm -hmm. right? If I'm doing this all the time in my back, I'm going to get back pain. We're doing this all the time in our cervixes, Mm -hmm. so we're going to get cervical pain. That's why most women think of the cervix, they associate it, or people of any gender with cervixes, that's why they associate cervical stimulation with pain oftentimes or discomfort or just nothing. Mm. So when you start to self-pleasure, what this will do and why it's really important to do it with yourself first is you get to discover what feels good Mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. You get to discover what can be orgasmic. And so usually I find within one to five cervical pleasure sessions, someone can usually find their way to a cervical orgasm. Mm -hmm. And you can have what's called a blended orgasm to start, which makes it easier, which is to touch your clitoris in the way you like, and then to do like a gentle, slow stimulation of the cervix, Mm -hmm. usually with the dildo. Mm -hmm. Once you've learned what you liked, then you can tell your partner. Mm -hmm. So you can be like, hey, let's say your partner's a man. Will you hold me really close and make love to me while you're penetrating my cervix very slowly? Mm -hmm. So it's slow in and out. You're looking into my eyes. And here's the last piece is that a cervical orgasm usually feels more oceanic, more like a water orgasm. Mm. So we can have what I call fire orgasms, which is like intense, 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 intense explosion. Yeah. So if you think about fire, it'll like rip through something Mm -hmm. and then it's done. So it burns hot and fast and then it burns out. So a lot of us are having orgasms that way, which is a climax. It's a sharp up and a sharp down. That's Mm -hmm. what a peak or a climax is. You can have a water orgasm and usually fire orgasms are really quick. Like we, we, it's like they're they're super intense, but we're actually like, like pushing out. A water orgasm goes up and in Mm. and it's more of a rolling feeling. Yeah. So a lot of the time we'll miss the start of a cervical orgasm because we're looking for a fire orgasm. Mm-hmm. So it's more like a river or an ocean waving through your body. And the pleasure starts out more subtle usually, but builds and builds and builds. Mm-hmm. A water orgasm starts out more subtle. Like the drip of water is less intense than a fire ripping through something, but water lasts in fact, water can go on and on and on. So a cervical orgasm, well, like the 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 takeoff can be more subtle. That actual wave after wave after wave can go on perpetually. And that's where you get stories of sting, like having eight-hour orgasms. It's an actual water orgasm that's circulating through the body. And because it's circulating rather than firing, yeah. 
it can last so much longer. And so it's more like you're bathing in orgasmic pleasure mm. rather than firecracking. Yeah. So then the multi-orgasmic is more cervical. It's easier with cervical because it naturally is slower. It goes up and in, mm-hmm. it rolls. Mm-hmm. So multi-orgasmic techniques are always going to teach you to pull your sexual pleasure up and in mm-hmm. rather than push it down and out. Mm-hmm. And that up and in is what allows it to become a circulating cycle. Mm-hmm. And this is what will open your whole body mm-hmm. and the cycle and the energy coming in so you're not losing energy, you're actually building energy is what gives it the force and power to keep cycling over and over again. And that's when you hit a very high orgasmic state. And for me, it's like sex basically can feel like one big orgasm. Yeah. Like the, like it's just a perpetual orgasm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't start and stop. The mm-hmm. entire erotic experience feels like a rolling orgasm. Mm-hmm. And so that's when you're like, how could you have an orgasm for an hour? It's because it's not a firework clitoral mm-hmm. orgasm. Mm-hmm. It's a rolling oceanic orgasm. Yeah. But it's like every cell in your body is orgasming. And it's like, it's not always more subtle. There are states of it that can be more intense, but some of the role is more subtle. Mm-hmm. And so people usually go in looking for a clitoral orgasm and they rather it. than mm-hmm. opening yeah. into what it can be. Yeah, I think of the clitoral like coffee where it's like, it's a bit zingy. It's yeah. on the periphery, whereas yeah. the cervical is more like maca, where it's like in the engine, it's deeper. It feels, I don't know, I feel more replenished from it. Yeah. And it sounds like it's also very healing. So yes, with tantric, like to connect deeply to the oneness, the divinity that is, but then also it can be very healing in the sense where maybe it's opening blockages in the body or deeper intimacy and connection. So yes, and. Yeah. It also mirrors one of the great teachings, right, that we don't always talk about with spirituality, which is surrender to the force of life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Letting go of the ego's delusion that we're making anything happen. Yeah. And surrendering to the truth of what is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A lot of our sexuality is very constructed for an outcome. Yeah. We're trying to get something, we're trying to make something happen, mm-hmm. right? When we open into this oceanic orgasm of allowing the energy through us, We're also teaching our bodies the art of allowing ourselves to be taken by life, taken Mm -hmm. by energy, Mm -hmm. taken by the magic. We don't control it anymore. Mm -hmm. So some of this too is the ego's fear of surrender, even in the most deeply erotic states. Mm -hmm. And we also have to let go of too much of our attachment to it looking pretty, looking a certain way, being perfect. Yeah because we have to surrender to the great wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the rewilding of ourselves, which you invite often, and I love <laughs> being your friend. <laughs> and I'm also thinking of people that have body shame or they feel self-conscious about how their body looks and then that inhibits their sexual expression. Do you have any suggestions or a practice to support them in really owning the body that they're in and really loving it? Yes. Mm-hmm. So. One of the greatest lies we've been told is that sexuality only belongs to this like certain class of people. And if you're only a certain age and like (laughs) sex is a human right, it's a human experience. Be as ridiculous as saying love only belongs to people who look like this or have Mm -hmm. this kind of body. Like it's outrageous. It's toxic. It's a lie. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. Two is like we've all been brainwashed out of seeing the beauty of things for what they are. Mm -hmm. I have been in tantric workshops 
where I have been in high states of spiritual consciousness and I could have made love to anyone yeah. because I could see them as divine. Yeah. Everyone has a sacred erotic divine beauty. I also have seen zero correlation between someone's age and physical appearance and the level of their sexual satisfaction. Yes, good. And I would know, right? Yeah. Like yep. zero correlation yep. because it has so much more to do with self-love, mm -hmm. with worthiness, mm -hmm. with how you were raised, with mm -hmm. what practices you've done. Also, there's so many people who are in like outrageously happy marriages who like are not like would have been on the cover of Cosmopolitan magazine in 2001 or whatever. Like, like it is just ordinary people who are in love, yeah. you know, who claim their sexual pleasure. And that is that that's, we need to hear more of that. We that's need to right. see more of that. My best friend is like, or one of my best friends is 67 and she's having the best sex of her life. Yes. Like outrageous. <laughs> like, like, like ego melting world changing <laughs> sex, you know, so good. Um, so it can keep getting better and better. Yeah. It can be amazing. And body shame and hatred mm -hmm. is a protective mechanism against our experience of our own wholeness and power. Mm. So I struggled most of my life with feeling like I wasn't beautiful enough, that there was something wrong with me. I had more like face and beauty shame than I did body shame. Cause when I was 19, I was like, I have too much to do in this lifetime to do both. So <laughs> Pick one. Let's we're go. like, oh, the body shame. We're just going to resolve the shit out of that, but we're going to keep the other one. And, um, and one of the things I traced it back to was when I got my heart devastatingly broken by my first boyfriend. He was the first person I ever had sex with. And he went back to his ex-girlfriend, technically cheated on me, then broke up with me. And I had to go to school every day and like see them together. Yeah. And it crushed me. And I realized that prior to that, while I had uh, stuff from, from being sexually abused as a child. So I was like, uh, like, like had all this like disconnection from my body. I actually thought I was pretty. Mm -hmm. What I realized is, is that hurt so bad. The heartbreak of that hurt so bad mm -hmm. that I decided that if I decided that I wasn't good enough, if I decided I wasn't beautiful enough, if I hated my physicality enough, mm -hmm. it would work as a shield to keep men out and I would be protected. Yeah. So I actually took on body shame and self-hatred. Now people take those on for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And certainly the culture helps a lot by saying you should feel this body shame. There is something disgusting. Yeah. There is something wrong. And yet some people take that on and some people don't. So it's an option. And also like if I claim that I'm beautiful, then I'm self, I'm self, con or I'm self, what's the word? Um, I'm conceited. Yeah. Right. So like there's also the, the, the cult. Yes, it's cultural. Yes, it's familiar. Yes, there's religious. So lots of different elements that yeah. come with it. So because it's a protective mechanism, mm -hmm. It is an element of mind. Mm -hmm. That's right. In the body, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So that's why doing practices like ecstatic dance, like erotic breath work, self-pleasure practices, they take you out of your mind mm -hmm. where those belief systems exist, right? And you can also Byron Katie the shit out of this. I'm assuming <laughs> anyone following your work knows who and what Byron Katie is, but you can do the work on yeah. these belief systems about your body. That's very, very helpful as well. And when you learn to get out of your head and into your body, which is just like meditating, mm -hmm. right? And when we say to someone, get out of your head and into your body and meditating, that's a lifetime's practice. Yeah. And you literally have to be sitting there meditating and being like, oh, I'm lost in my mind. Mm -hmm. I'm going to refocus. That's right. I'm going to actually, it's like 
the way that I think about it is I was like obsessed with my thoughts. I'm being intimate with my thoughts. Now I'm going to be intimate with my sensations. I'm going to be intimate with my womb, Mm -hmm. intimate with my pussy, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to actually generate intimacy with my body Mm -hmm. sensations and the present moment rather than my mind. Mm -hmm. I have never seen anyone be able to sustain self-hatred or body negativity when they're actually in their body. That's right. Good. Because the wholeness and the presence, the just isness of that is beauty itself. Yeah. And it, it it eviscerates all the stories yeah. about and you're in the you're in the present moment. You're yes. in your body where that doesn't exist. Yes. Beautiful. I love that. The other thing I want to ask you, because when I was a couples therapist, I would have people ask me, you know, if about sexual chemistry with a partner. So maybe they had a new partner and they're like, everything's great, but I don't have the chemistry. Or I've been in a relationship a long time and there's less of this like lust in that relationship. What do you say to people around sexual chemistry? Can this be developed for people? Yes. Okay. So there's a big difference between neutral chemistry Mm -hmm. and negative chemistry. Mm -hmm. So if you really don't like the way someone smells, Mm -hmm. like on a primal level, Mm -hmm. if you're really not into them right off the bat, like their kiss doesn't feel good, you Mm -hmm. don't really crave them, that you can't fundamentally change. Mm -hmm. Right, like deeper than the technique, but just like the visceral yeah, just like sense. I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. Like, I, like I don't feel this person. Yeah, right. We are still primal. We are still animal. Mm-hmm. You know, you like what you like, and you don't like what you don't like, mm-hmm. and you can try and teach. Like I hate bananas, especially mushy bananas. Yeah, I could spend a lifetime trying to teach myself to like bananas, but I just don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I love watermelon, mm-hmm. like I'm obsessed with watermelon, mm-hmm. right? And then there's some food like avocado. I'm pretty neutral on avocado. Like it's tasty. It's yeah. great. Like I can get into it, right? I could have a great sexual relationship with avocado to watermelon. <laughs> I'm probably never going to have a great sexual relationship with banana. People are always like, don't you want to retry it? I'm like, no, I don't want to spend my life trying to love bananas. I don't like them, Yeah, right? And so we do have this kind of, knowing Mm -hmm. in our bodies Mm -hmm. and we do like there are we can smell the other person's immune system in their dna Mm -hmm. right that's actually in sweat we can smell it Mm -hmm. so there is something to the primal there are pheromones and we do have to respect that yeah but what we over obsess with is the early relationship chemistry right like what they'll say in poly circles is new relationship energy yeah which is you and i both know as people who have gone deeper into the dynamics of relationship can be entirely fueled Mm -hmm. by projection, illusion, oxytocin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Trauma wounds, Mm -hmm. trauma mating, bonding, like all, all of that stuff. Right. So you can have outrageous sexual chemistry with someone who is very bad for you. Yep. We all know that we've all (laughs) been there. So sexual chemistry is zero indication a, that the bond is healthy, mm-hmm. B, that the bond's going to last, mm-hmm. or C, that the sexual chemistry is based on things that you actually would say that you valued if we were going to like have you write them down, yeah. right? Yeah. So sex, like that really intense sexual chemistry can be played with, can be celebrated, but we can also be skeptical of what it means mm-hmm. because we've tended to in our culture associate that kind of sexual chemistry with love. Usually when we say falling in love, we mean that sexual chemistry that most Mm -hmm. people use those two things interchangeably, Mm -hmm. but they're actually very different. Yeah. Right. Whereas with neutral sexual chemistry, meaning I am not disgusted by the person and like their kiss is, is good. It may not be 
as good as like the Wolverine guy who like broke my heart <laughs> or like that bad bitch with tattoos who looked like Angelina Jolie, but like it's good, yeah. you know? It's avocado. Yeah. That can grow. Yeah. That can grow. That can get deeper. That can be more amazing. And people who work on their sexuality and their sexual chemistry, like let's say you do breath work together, you do rituals together, mm-hmm. you grow the intimacy and depth of your mm-hmm. bond, that sex can get better and mm-hmm. better. With my most recent partner, we actually had a super awkward first kiss. Like we didn't have great chemistry mm-hmm. right off the beginning. It was neutral mm-hmm. to like clumsy and that we didn't quite meet. He, he kissed, we figured out he kissed like a jazz player. Like he was trying to be creative and I kissed like a techno DJ. I was trying to find the beat. Uh So he was like being creative and I was like trying to find rhythm and it was like awkward as shit. So like in that we A, learned what each other liked Mm -hmm. and B, we grew in devotion, in, in depth, in connection. And actually the sexual chemistry that birthed out of that was wild and beautiful. So the reason I want to tell that story is I think a lot of people, if they don't start out, awesome. Mm -hmm. They can also start to tell themselves the story that it will never be awesome Mm -hmm. because I knew not to reinforce that story. I kept the portal open for us to find our sexual magic, our erotic magic. And in fact, we did deeper than most men I've ever experienced it Mm -hmm. with. And it started out from neutral, neutral at best. Great. Right. So that's very, very possible with a lot of people. What I have also seen is so many couples go numb because they're not talking to each other mm-hmm. because they don't feel safe with each other mm-hmm. because honestly we're not in a sexy society we're mm-hmm. like overworked exhausted yeah. the hormones are all crazy the mm-hmm. food you know it's mm-hmm. like all of it mm-hmm. so i have rarely seen a couple that loves each other and wants to work on it not find ecstasy beautiful and sometimes better sexual ecstasy than they even had in the beginning mm. from actually doing the work doing the breath work, doing pussy massage, penis massage, mm-hmm. actually touching, doing the kind of healing you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? When you heal the shame body mm-hmm. of like the Catholic priesthood that's still wrapped around your womb, the way you can make love after mm-hmm. that can be more powerful in a way that is more soul gratifying mm-hmm. than the lust of the first couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, that I have seen over and over and over again. So the vast majority of couples, I think, that feel like they've lost their chemistry can strongly get it back. Yeah. Even if there can be like a category of newness, mm-hmm. the newness is is special and you can never create newness again. But what you can create is a level of depth and magic that is birthed of true intimacy and soul nourishment that is far better than anything new. Yeah. But I don't know how any couple would do that without Tantra or sacred sexuality practices. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be Tantra per se where the intention is ultimately in enlightenment. Yeah. It could be sacred sexuality practices mm-hmm. where the intention is just greater expression, greater connection, greater depth. Yeah. I don't know how any couple doesn't get bored without that. Because if you're doing the same thing over and over and over again, what the hell is going to be interesting? <laughs> yeah, you got to you, you, you got to play with archetypes. You yeah. got to explore the edges of pleasure. Yeah. You got to go in and work with your shame. You got to like like get into states of cosmic consciousness mm-hmm. together. And then doing it with the same person becomes so fascinating mm-hmm. because you're actually making art together. You're making life together. You're opening to the universe together, mm-hmm. right? Doing that means that you can do it over a lifetime. Yeah. Whereas just trying to get each other off, you're like, boring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so I can really feel for couples though, where if that's the only playbook you have, and yeah. that's all most of us have. Yeah. And some pretty shiny new thing comes along, right? 
We're not on a planet where you only have one soulmate. Yep. So sometimes people are like, oh, if you're with the right person, you'll never have feelings for anyone else. That's so depressing (laughs) because that means if you get divorced or that person Mm -hmm. dies or something happens, sorry, that was your one chance at love. Your one true love. Right. Yeah. That's different. Like being energetically sloppy and messy and being like, oh, I have crushes with five (laughs) people at this party and I'm being inappropriate with it. We're not talking about that. Yeah. We're talking about, of course, you yeah. can be attracted to other people. That's right. And still have an excellent marriage. Yeah. Or still be with an excellent partner, yeah. right? Of course. And thank God, because that means that like there's more than one amazing person mm-hmm. out there on the planet, mm-hmm. as there should be. Mm-hmm. But I think what will happen is when people don't have an expanded sexual practice mm-hmm. and they do get bored and they shut down together and the shame and the conditioning and all of that actually creates mm-hmm. a wall of numbness between them they they drift apart yeah whereas they could grow together yeah but what i believe is happening in a lot of long term relationships is we get the spark of the new relationship energy we get the spark of the falling in love magic we get the spark of the early arrows and the universe is like, okay, that's what's possible. Mm-hmm. You get a certain amount of time where you get supported biologically mm-hmm. to have that, where mm-hmm. it just runs its own engine, mm-hmm. but then you have to do the work. That's right. If you don't do the work, you'll actually grow apart. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about the work is usually just like in long-term relationship with couples where the work is usually to heal your intimacy wounds mm-hmm. and wake up to deeper love. In sex, it's also to heal your intimacy wounds. Yeah. It's also to hear what keeps you from God, right? Yeah. Like you and Amelia, like part of your journey right now is to support your healing of sexual shame. Yes. If you didn't know that, yeah. right? If you didn't even know you had sexual shame. Yeah. I would judge him. I would abandon. I would grow apart. I would think he, something's wrong with him or his sexuality. Or your marriage. Yeah, or my marriage, right? And then some sexy person comes along, right? Like mm-hmm. you probably, I couldn't imagine you doing this because you have so much, but you, you can understand how this happens, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And then some new person comes along and all you know is Mm -hmm. the seductiveness of new relationship Mm -hmm. energy. This is what is breaking the hearts Mm -hmm. of so many couples Mm -hmm. because then people either cheat Mm -hmm. or they get divorced Mm -hmm. or they, they, they rupture or whatever. And what they don't realize is I never had the tools Mm -hmm. to progress beyond the new relationship energy and chemistry into the soul nourishing depth of what's Mm -hmm. possible, which we mean a long-term partner. So of course, if the new relationship energy is the most satisfying thing I've ever experienced sexually, yeah. I'm going to seek that elsewhere. Yeah. That tears apart long-term relationships that don't need to be torn apart, yeah. but people don't know. And then they jump from one relationship to another and they're not satisfied and then figure that out later. Yes. And so I love that they hear you say this so that they can really look at what is coming up for me and how do I heal it? And do I choose to do it in partnership? But we could also do it with a great coach or a therapist as well. Yes. Yeah. And you have so much intelligence and wisdom and practices and I want, I just love you so much and I want to dive into all the things because you are just a breath of fresh air. And I think the fact that you own it and that you speak about it in behalf of people all over the world, I think this is what helps humanity heal. So I want to say thank you for that. And I, if there's a message that you have for people just in parting, like what, what do you want people to know at the core? When people do the work to experience sexual liberation, sexual healing, sexual freedom, sexual union in this lifetime, it always ends up being one of the most rewarding things they've ever done in their life. Yeah. And everyone uses a very similar phrase with me, which is I got my life back. Mm. There's a quality of wholeness that Mm comes from claiming all these pieces Mm -hmm. and everyone can do it. 
Yeah. Not yet come across one person who couldn't do it. There's nobody who's too lost, too broken. That's right. all do it. Can you share with us what you're up to and how people can stay connected to you and your magic? Yes. So the main thing is to go to laylamartin.com, sign up with your email address. That's where I share most of my teachings. Email's a little old school, but I write weekly emails. They're so good. Yeah. (laughs) They're so good. So sexy and delicious. I basically rip my heart out from the internet on, on the regular. I'm like, this is what I'm up to. And... There's, there's gems of wisdom in it and practical tools, techniques to start applying this in your life. Um, so going to laylamartin.com and signing with your email address is the main thing. I have a professional coaching certification. It is called the Vita Coaching Certification, and it is a one-year, 600-hour professional training. If you want to learn a tantric approach to sex, love, and relationships and to be able to guide your clients in this very important work, you can also follow me on Instagram at the Layla Martin or my YouTube channel, which is Layla Martin. And I have a podcast called This Tantric Life you can find on Spotify or Apple. And it's so good. And we just did an episode on it. So juicy. I love you so much. Thank you for who you are in the world. Thank you for being one of my best friends in the entire universe. So grateful for you. (laughs) Thank you so much for doing this work that changes the world, starting with yourself. It truly does make a difference. And if you're finding value in this podcast, a cost-free way to support us is by leaving an up to five-star review. It does mean the world to us. And as a thank you gift, we're going to send you one of the most powerful tools that you will ever discover. You're going to get behind the scenes access, showing you how to live into your full potential without letting fear hold you back from stepping into your dreams. Just head over to Apple Podcast or Spotify and leave a review now. You can take a screenshot before hitting submit and then go to alissanobriga.com forward slash podcast to upload it. And make sure to have your automatic downloads turned on wherever you listen so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I have so much magic I can't wait to share with you. And you can find all this information in the show notes below. But lastly, if you're on Instagram, I love connecting and hearing from you. So come on over and say hello. I'm at alissanobriga. Thank you again for being here. I cannot wait to share more with you.